Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And this is the second part of our conversation with Johannes Pavela talking about prep in RPGs. And um, I think it's, it's, it's only part of the prep uh, for uh, your sandbox variety of gaming where you well I ran that started with a number game uh, yes. some time back and uh, that game has you generate a sector of space uh, with random dice rolls from the book but it doesn't give you all the super nitty-gritty details you might want for the uh, game itself even though it's pretty good for that as well but let's say in general you roll a planet you figure out that oh it's a uh, it's a tyranny. There's a tyrannical planetary despot and also heavy mining. Uh, so those two things would be the things that you have on your little notebook. Uh, and then once you figure out, oh, my players are going there, you sort of like, you look at that, very broad strokes, some kind of tyrant, some kind of mining. And then you, um, uh, once it becomes apparent that you need more detail, you go back and then you add the detail in. And the good thing with that is uh, of course you don't need to do all the detail stuff for all the your sandbox map yes. uh, at, at once to start with because as John was saying the front loading is quite a bit <laughs> to handle uh, without going into extreme detail for every single part of it but it also allows you to tailor the thing for your specific needs at the time so your idea for a tyrannical mining planet might have been very different without the context of whatever the players had done before. So you can sort of use what has happened before to fill in the future prep <laughs> that you do uh, much more easily when uh, you're, let's say, this probably applies to other games as well, but at least for Sandbox, this is what came very handy for me, sort of taking in the things that are of interest to the party and putting them forward into other spaces that hadn't been defined yet. Yeah, and I mean, I used the the same tables from Stars Without Number for the uh, for the White Star campaign that I'm running you guys through at the minute because the tables themselves, which is one of the reasons I, I like all of the sort of toolkit stuff in Kevin Crawford's work, they're, they're pretty much system agnostic, the actual sort of like sandbox toolkits. So I was like, right, okay, Stars Without Number, it's a sci-fi game. It's a sci-fi toolkit for generating like your hex score. Right, I'll take that out and I'll just use it for my White Star game. And I use the um, the sectors without number website, where you can literally just like click a button, and it's like boom, there's a hex map of your system. You click on like each the star systems that it's populated, and it gives you that sort of surface level detail. And as with most sort of hex crawls, I, I don't zoom down to like the sort of the nth degree up until the point it becomes necessary, as you were saying, Johannes. So both in like the old school essentials campaign and the white star campaign, I've got like Oh, in this hex, there's a there's there's a precious mineral. To use a recent example from uh, from the OSE campaign, but until your guy sort of expressed an interest in it, I was like, I just know there's a precious mineral in that area of the mountains. Then when you sort of start looking into it, I was like, right, okay, I'll, I'll work out exactly what it is. Oh yeah, the, the, there's an old settler who's discovered like mithril in the mountains, and uh, there's a bit of a sort of gold rush going on. And then you can develop that more. So although you do sort of front load your prep in hex crawls. You only do it to a certain degree. You don't have to like drill down to 
that sort of umpteenth level but it just meant that when you guys are like oh we're, we're going to go to the mountains i was like right i know there's some sort of precious material there and then i can develop it further rather than me just having to come up with everything like entirely off the cuff okay so we've talked a little bit about this earlier on but would you guys say that your prep style is different depending on what game you're running and if so how Ah, oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And um, a lot of it to start with, I'll look at what the game is telling me uh, about that kind of thing. And um, I like to play a whole bunch of different kind of games, as we know uh, from, I suppose, season one of the of the <laughs> podcast. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I aim to prep in the way that the game that I'm trying to run uh, would benefit most from a lot of the times, at least in uh, some of the more recent publications, that's probably at least a very good version of that can be found in the game materials itself. The the book might just give you all the, all the good ideas for how to prep, yeah. or it might just have tools for you to generate the, the, uh, prep in question from the book itself uh, as um, we were uh, playing Scum and Villainy uh, the sort of serial numbers filed off Star Wars game uh, some months mm-hmm. back it has a very good uh, just table nested table system of generating missions to, for you to go on mm-hmm. adventures and um, so that's what I did, that's what I used but for um, starts with a number to contrast with another sci-fi game of similar sort of general framework yeah. but very different tools uh, the uh, the prep generation tools in Stars Without Number are mostly for world building even though there's there's a little bit for this is the kind of adventures you could go on to but uh, a lot of it is to do with the world in general so for that uh, I would just make it out of whole cloth based on the, the world generation bits that I had done with the book material itself. Um, of course, sometimes you, you just do you. <laughs> Some, yeah. Sometimes you just do whatever you need to at the time, regardless of what a, whatever the game is. But for most of the time, I try to um, uh, at least try what, what the game uh, is saying. This is probably what you should do. So how about you then, love? Did your style of prep vary depending on what sort of game you're running? Not particularly, I don't think. Um, the types of props that I spend far too much time on tend to vary depending on the game. But now, would you say that's because you always tend to run lighter sort of rules games or similar style well, games? Well, yeah. Um, I don't really care all that much about the mechanics. Yeah. And I'll try and make a couple of notes for any mechanics that I'm likely to need or have like a monster book on hand to get whatever mechanics I'm going to need but I'm far more interested in the story than which numbers add up to what (laughs) yeah I mean I I think when I'm sort of when I'm sort of prepping it it very much does depend on the type of game I run like I I mostly run these sort of open world sort of exploration style games um so I've got loads of books that are like random table books for like fantasy and other sort of genres. And obviously online, the, there's loads of different blogs and uh, random generators online. But like the other day when I was uh, doing a bit of prep for 
my old school essentials game and i was uploading youtube videos at the time so that sucked up all my bandwidth so i basically couldn't use the internet i was just able to like just grab a couple of books off the shelf that have got random tables in like the table fables books and just flip through them to get some ideas and whether it's just like rolling for an npc name or something like that i do like having the books because it means i've not got access to the internet or whatever i've still got all these resources i can potentially pull on for inspiration but i do think my prep varies depending on what game we're in like so i mostly run these open world games but when we were when i was running um fifth edition vampire game my prep for that was quite different in a way to to my prep for like OSC because that's set in ostensibly the real world set in london so a lot of my prep was just like browsing like wikipedia pages or books that are connected with london looking at things from the history of it looking for anything that jumped out where i thought oh that could be interesting to bring into the game but as well sort of having had the sessions there around knowing what sort of things the players wanted to do and what the characters are interested in anything where I, I looked through like your character being slightly more involved in like the necromantic sort of line of things Johannes looking through maybe I'd see like a, a fact in a book or online about um, like the oldest graveyard in London or something like that and I'd be like all right that that could be something that could come up in the future so I think yeah very much like yourself Johannes a lot of my sort of prep time is spent sort of like wandering through these different like inspirational materials waiting for something to strike yep sometimes that <clears throat> like just to give an idea of what that actually means <clears throat> it might mean that i'm reading all my mummy books the the actual published books that i have or it might mean that i'm scrolling through pinterest for four hours <laughs> looking yeah. at pictures so it or like looking at some wikipedia thing connected to whatever i'm thinking about and like several hours later i'm finding myself reading about nuclear fission the the science behind nuclear fission on on wikipedia so for me it's it's a very random sort of way to go about it i guess but that's that's sort of something i do by just instinct i just sort of like cast my net wide and <laughs> go go where i may yeah it's, it's, a, it's a bit like that gold pattern isn't it you, you scoop up a load of dirt and then you yeah. sieve it and sieve it and sieve yeah. it until you get the little gold <laughs> nuggets i mean yeah. I, I did very much the same when um when i was running vampire i mean when when i was like oh you're having a big meeting all the vampires in the city you've contacted and some of you don't know are coming to this meeting to talk about what you're going to do in this situation i was like right okay, i need a bundle of like npcs I'm, I'm pretty free to go with what I want besides the fact that they're mostly younger vampires so yeah I just spent ages on Pinterest like for people who've drawn various different vampires just looking at pictures and going like oh which of these pictures look interesting right I'll grab a handful of those right what what sort of vampire does it suggest to me so like oh yeah you've got we had the um this the set I to is a, a bit of a sort of like Harley Quinn-esque looking woman but like in a smart business suit so I was like, right, okay, so she's obviously got like a good business head, but you know, maybe like underneath all of that, she's got that sort of religious like fervor that most of the setites have. And I spun the entire NPC off that one picture and likewise for a lot of the others. Okay, so just as a broad sort of ballpark figure, then obviously we know it varies, and like we say, we spend a lot of time sort of looking at inspiration. Of, of like let's say you're running a weekly game the sort of the holy grail of of rpgs on a weekly game how much time in a week would you spend on prep roughly mm, varies wildly depending on my mood 
Um, sometimes I'll try and spend time on it, but it's barely more than an hour. And other times I'll spend like a day, maybe two, working on a single adventure. I mean, I think for me, the way I tend to try and organise my prep is that my sort of energy levels and enthusiasm are sort of at a height either just after I've finished the previous session Mm -hmm. or sort of on the day or two leading up to the next session. Because obviously we've all got like real life stuff and work and whatnot in between that demands your attention. Mm -hmm. So I try and do like, I tend to try and wrap up anything and make update my notes from the previous session. So like, as soon as I can afterwards, because like my energy is still high, I'm still sort of like buzzing from the session. And then when I sort of start ramping up again, like a day or two before, and I'm like, all right, I'm really looking forward to the next session, can't wait to get running it. I look over those notes I've made, see if I've had any like fresh ideas as I've been looking at various inspirational material in the meantime when I've had chance. So I sort of do like two big bursts of prep, like just after the previous session and just before the next one. That's when I tend to do most of mine. Yeah, <clears throat> I think the answer is always going to be it varies quite a bit, um, especially these times when well, we've all got a whole bunch of stuff going on during the week. Maybe not so much on the weekend because of certain things, but yeah, um, unless it's gaming uh, <laughs> over the internet. <clears throat> but I think overall, like a rough average might probably be somewhere around four hours uh of course that's not that's not four hours of me sitting down writing notes in in prose mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's yes. not what it is uh it's going to be a combination of me reading books just sitting and daydreaming and then a furious hour and a half before the game starts <laughs> of, <laughs> of just like frantically getting at least the three bullet points down and um sort of pruning my uh like tree of daydreams at the point in the time but um yeah i i guess that's roughly the amount i would probably say but of course the the actual amount and the intensity varies quite a bit of course also depending on if you already know what your next thing is going to be yeah which as we discussed previously you can ascertain by asking the players like what what they want to do and um if it's a longer running game you might just have everything you need already and you do zero hours of prep because you you already have all the detail you need yeah i think it can also vary depending on like what your particular strengths are and what bits of the prep you personally find very appealing so i I do a fair bit of my prep using like foundry vtt and i'm always sort of like keeping you guys in the game up to date with what i'm doing but that's because i enjoy the process of like logging the stuff on the software and like using the vtt software so that really appeals to me so i find it easier to sort of like get my enthusiasm up. like i'll go i go oh yeah um, yeah yeah i need to update this bit of equipment for someone and i'll go on and i'll just like update something and then i think oh well, while i'm on i'll just do this little bit and this little bit and um, there are a few things i need to do with this map and then it, i tend to end up doing like a couple of hours prep from there whereas i think if i didn't enjoy the actual process of using the virtual tabletop so much I probably wouldn't do the prep in the same way and in the same fashion. Okay, so guys, we've talked about how much prep we do, like what sorts of prep we do. Are there any particular tools or methods that you find particularly useful to help when you're doing your prep work for a game? I'm going to start with one of like my old favourites. You won't be able to see this on the podcast, but I'm taking out a nice fresh pack of index cards. You can hear the cellophane in there. 
that's the sound of a nice fresh pack not even been opened yet it's that new record card smell hannah bought me these the other day that's how much prep i do like my wife sees a stationery on offer in our local supermarket and is like i'll get john some index cards he loves index cards <laughs> so uh, affecting the local economy but <laughs> that's it and i think that's my um that's a holdover for me personally from when i used to run more in-person games when i had more space because i'd write distinct like, little bits whether it's an npc a location or whatever or index cards i could lay them all out in front of me and it's like if you've got a location and you know a particular npc has gone there you can just slide the npc card under the location card whereas i don't tend to use them that much now in the same way because i've not got the space to spread them out because most of my games are online the vtt's replace that but they are still handy to have a pack there so if someone comes up with a quick note i can just grab a pen scribble it down put it to one side and copy it up onto the virtual tabletop later so i like excel spreadsheets <laughs> you've got all the different pages that you can have different notes on and you can just make a big load of charts who's who what's what basic like mechanics that you do actually need i don't know a copy of each of the player characters sheets all of that stuff one document there it is i don't know you never catch me using excel spreadsheets for prep <laughs> i say what's as that I'm, on your computer then I, I say as i'm showing hannah my like six worksheet uh, <laughs> session summary excel sheet for uh, the old school essentials game uh yeah i've I've got a. It's not index cards, but the shape is roughly the same. Mm-hmm. It, it's just note paper for yeah. me that I have on my desk to quickly put down some thoughts, which I did here. Well, you were trying to ask me a question. I'm just dreaming about some <laughs> some point I was trying to make. Um, yeah, it's that's my first course uh, <laughs> to uh, put something on paper uh, and then refine it later, and I think that's. Whatever it is that I'm trying to do, it works similarly. It's I've used Google Docs before. Just yeah, you know, you're you're just text processing stuff. Uh, I'll write down things there. Uh, I found that I did quite a lot of work with uh, Google Docs when it came to the uh, the start of the number game that I run. Uh, so I did the world prep, wrote all my ideas down there. But I find that ultimately. I'm not going to use a lot of that after the game has started. The train has left the station. I don't really need to refer to a lot of that afterwards. And what I would then do is uh, work in... Um, well, I've, I've run my games, uh, online games, mostly in Roll20. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's a lot to be said for that platform, but at least for the moment, it still allows me to give <laughs> some some notes there. And uh, <clears throat> it's been very fairly useful for me my purposes and what I need. Though we've been playing with Foundry uh, lately with John. Uh, that also seems to be fairly good. I'm not sure about how well it works with notes because I've never used it myself in that it's, capacity. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good with notes. Um, the, there's a lot more sort of organizational functionality as far as I'm concerned, but it works in a vaguely similar way yeah. to Roll20. Yeah. It's, uh, certainly the player experience has the same kind of... like ideas going uh, as, as uh, Roll20 does. But for me, I, I think the ultimate place where I tend to put my notes these days, whether I'm originally writing them down on my paper, putting in a note on my phone, uh, or writing them in Google Doc, the end result is going to inevitably end in Roll20 as a handout that uh, I'm, I'm using to keep my sort of running notes on, yeah. on things. 
Um, so that's how it works for me. Now, I've also used Excel. <laughs> so uh, that's, um, that's a very good tool for specific kinds of purposes yeah. here. I mean, I, I think when you sort of boil it down to basics, the the absolute sort of minimum in terms of like tools that are helpful is a pen that you're comfortable with writing with and a notepad or something mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, your sort of notepad window on the computer is just like a sort of electronic well, yeah. version of that, isn't it? Really? Uh, I did use pen and paper a lot more before I got hand injuries and pen holding became an issue. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, for, for me, because like my memory is like fairly poor on certain things, quite I find it quite frustrating in the past where I'd be I'd be doing something else and I'd have an idea and I'd be like, right, I must remember that. Then like later on that evening, I'd sit down. I'd be like, I know I had a really good idea for my game, but I cannot think of what it is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that'd come back to me. Other times it'd just disappear and it was lost. Whereas, yeah. especially at the minute where I'm mostly working from home. But if I was at work and I had an idea as well, I've got post-its in my desk at work. I can just quickly scribble it down on a post-it. And just being able to like capture something immediately, even if it's just one or two words, I can take that post-it, put it in my pocket. Later on when I get home, I'm like, oh, what was that idea? And it's there. I've not lost it. Uh, in term- terms of other tools, like I say, I'm a big fan of uh, random tables and random charts, just as an idea generator of nothing else. I've got books and books of those. But even if you don't want to buy books of them, if you get on the internet, there is a plethora of them available. I would also say, as we mentioned, like Pinterest, um, Google Image Search, something that gives you like a nice sort of visual reference to the can sort of inspire. I mean, you can go on Pinterest, type like let's say you're trying to come up with what a skyscraper looks like in your session. You can go on type in skyscraper in Pinterest. You get a million different images. You can just cycle through them until you find something that speaks to you. And you can use that as a handout or just to like give you an idea to help reference what things look like. And likewise, Google Image Search as well. So can you guys think of any other tools that you find particularly useful while you're prepping? Or Obviously, we've referenced... The right background noise. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it can be different background noise depending on what story it is, what game it is, what kind of a theme you want to go with that game. But something that's just enough to help you concentrate in the same way that like homework at school needed the right background noise yeah it's one of the things that i also find useful with um with the vtt because i'll quite often have foundry open in the on one monitor while i'm doing stuff on the other mm-hmm. and because i've got various maps like the main hex map for the campaign set up with like a tune playing in the background and like it's an arctic climate there's like wind whistling in the background having that sort of running with that sort of sound mm-hmm. going on sort of because it's music i associate with the game helps me get into that sort of mindset yeah well i've been doing the star trek game i've listened to a lot of isaac arthur's podcast where yeah. he's talking about like sci-fi technological stuff he's got quite a good sort of gentle dreamy background music and it's sort of you can tune it in and out sort of thing but he is talking about things that are interesting for the game i mean get what i mean what, what i'm doing in a similar vein when i'm doing like world of darkness or, in a, or a sort of horror game there's quite a lot of youtube channels online where there's people reading out various like now public domain like horror works and ghost stories and stuff like that and quite often i'll just have one of those on in the background not not because i'm so much pulling from the the story although sometimes i do 
but because it gets you into that mindset you know like if like if i was um if i was running a a detective story or a noir story i might have like a, a sort of film noir story on in the background or like a sort of sam spade style like film on in youtube or whatever just to sort of get me in that mindset of the game i'm going to be running yeah uh one of the things that i've found quite useful is uh, according to the same sort of principles here uh, immersing yourself in the kind of other media, non-game media, yeah, uh, and maybe even games. So, so like if you're trying to run a sci-fi game, maybe read other sci-fi games as well, uh, other than the one that you're running. You can steal good ideas uh, from <laughs> from other games, which is, yeah. after all, a large part of the craft that we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, here. definitely. You, you take stuff, you repurpose it, and um, you you make it your own, and you you run with it. And um, I think definitely for me. Uh, good part of getting into the mind space is just having a lot of similar things that I can sort of uh, touch on at the same time. So if I'm trying to run uh, um, a mummy game uh, or a vampire game, I'll, I'll try and search out media with those elements in it and then yes. sort of enjoy that on its own, but then I'll have that to... Uh, dissect later <laughs> when i get into my lab okay so to round up guys do we think there is such a thing as too much prep and if so how yes. much is too much <laughs> when it's when you're not enjoying it anymore i think the um i think these are probably kevin Cor crawford's words um uh but i think if you're doing prep and you're not using it for your next session, but you're still enjoying it, yeah, okay, that's fine. That that's for you to enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're not using it in your next session, and you're no longer enjoying it, stop doing it. <laughs> that's that's kind of the general, very vague limit. But um, still, that's kind of the idea that I have. Yeah, I think that I think that's true because if you're if you're doing loads of extra prep and like say something that's not going to get used but you're enjoying doing it it's not going to detract from your game that's absolutely fine but i think if you get to the stage and i've had this like i mean a lot of years and years ago now but where you get to the stage where you're doing so much prep that it's not going to get used and you're almost sort of like dreading having to do the prep for a game that's when you need to like take a step back mm -hmm. yeah yeah I've, I've definitely yeah. been there myself uh more in the the earlier years yes when you don't have the experience. You don't exactly know how things will play out. So you try and plan for everything, and that that is exhausting. And um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, certainly. I know I started with a mindset of similar to what you're talking about. That like, if you need a certain amount of prep to do a game, then it follows that more prep must automatically be better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which obviously we know now with sort of like years of gaming experience that that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. uh, more sort of usable and appropriate prep is good but if it's just prep that you're not going to use and you're not enjoy doing it just don't do it yeah do what do what you need to and what you enjoy doing and the rest you can worry about later on and honestly if you've not got round to doing the prep for your game there's nothing wrong with telling your players that and saying can we just have a chat this week I can't think of any player group that would get angry at a GM who does that just now and then. I mean, I think I've done it a few times with um, 
with various games. I certainly like the um, the White Star game where obviously before the pandemic where I've like I've been working flat out all week mm-hmm. I've not really had time to do any prep I've been pretty exhausted from work every day of the week and I've still run a session but I've just said to the to the guys at the start I, I level with you I've not had anywhere near enough time to prep this session as I'd like but let's just see where we go and most players as long as you say that and you, you let mm-hmm. them know they're going to give you a bit of leeway cut you a bit of slack because at least they're getting a game out of it Yep. And ideally, they will have sympathy for you and also mm-hmm. then put in effort to make the thing work from their res- like respective place as well. So uh, like I've, I've been in, <laughs> in these sessions where, John, you've, you've rocked up and you're like, oh, it's been, I've worked like a thousand hours this week <laughs> and I, I, I didn't get to do what I wanted to. Um, I think everyone's always been quite excited to get to the game anyway and that also i think probably a lot of the um thing that we're talking about here is trust as well you trusting Mm -hmm. that your players are not gonna sort of i don't know like mistreat you because of that Mm -hmm. because because you say that oh i don't have all my ducks in order this week uh and uh also you trusting the players that that they're gonna sort of know how to uh play regardless (laughs) i mean i think it's the benefit to sort of being up front with things like that where if you just say to people like oh i've not got enough prep and the players obviously they want to get an enjoyable game you want an enjoyable game as a jam if you if if you didn't mention that and you were maybe fumbling over a few things the the players might be like oh what's going on here like what's happening whereas if you say up front i've not really had much time to prep and occasionally you're like oh just give me a minute guys they get like oh well it's not time to prep no problems and there's a number of ways you can get around that obviously you could like you could like do a little bit of prep or like work a little bit up while the players are having like a, a sort of social scene or you could you could hand over to one of the players and say oh, what, what does your character think about what's going on so far and while they're discussing that or doing like a little sort of like party around a campfire scene you can sort of like make a few notes but i think most players would rather have a game where the gm's a little bit underprepared but they're still putting the effort in they're still r- trying to run the game than have to cancel the game yeah, and also it's a. It, this just hit me now. It's a golden opportunity for you to throw questions of yeah. extreme import at the players. Let them decide how things work. That time, it will lead to amazing things. It might not be their cup of tea. In which case, maybe like ask them: Is is this something you'd be interested in? But um, it's when I've been you know, on both sides of that. I've been underprepared yeah. and asked people to sort of what do you think this should be uh and uh, i've also been the one to ask answer that question and it's been great <laughs> most most cases i mean we, we've had this a few times in the in the smoke and snow old school essentials campaign where for instance when we were talking about um your character like obviously the because you're not on your home continent that was very loosely defined at the start and with your character and you're like oh, i want to come from a bit more of a sort of mercantile sort of place I was just saying to you, all right, what's this place like? And you came with a name, you came with yeah. some details, we've expanded on that. And also when um when um, the character like Malcolm Harp, who's an elf, bumped into another elf adventurer, and I was like, All right, okay, well, the, the background of elves has been fairly loosely defined. All right, Robert, h- how do you envision like elves being organized? And he was like, Alright, they're in they're in different sort of clans or tribes and they have like a totem animal for each different tribe. And that sort of spun off like the whole organisational style mm-hmm. 
of elves in my campaign world and it's probably not something i would have thought of myself had i not mm-hmm. asked so i think we've probably given people who are listening a bit to chew on there with regards to prep i think we can basically boil it down to there's a few useful things that you can use to get your sort of inspirational juices flowing mm-hmm. don't do more prep than you need to do and that you enjoy and if in doubt ask your players what they're going to do yeah yep, get exactly. your players involved in the prep when you can yeah so all it remains for me to do is to thank johannes and hannah for joining me for this discussion thanks for having me no problem at all always a pleasure if you want to get in touch with us on the podcast there's a couple of different ways you can do that you can leave us a voicemail message using speakpipe there'll be a link in the description of this show if you're having problems with speakpipe as a few people have been doing particularly when using mobile phones our old anchor account is still active you can leave us a voicemail on that if you just do a search for anchor red dice diaries you'll find that or you can send us an email maybe with an audio file attached if you want to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com and until we see you next time take care stay safe and whenever you're playing have fun bye bye